Hello and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about classical education, uh, the Greek, ancient, ancient Greek world, and stuff. My name is Thomas Magby. I'm joined as always by AJ Hannenberg. Me. And Graham Donaldson. Me. Oh. <laughs> and me. <laughs> I just wanted to get mine. Two cents and all that. Okay, so uh, today we are going to be expanding our scope. Uh, as loyal listeners know, we typically discuss um, uh, you know books, ancient stories, but today we are expanding into film. Uh, I believe the 1963 film uh, 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 Jason and the Argonauts. Um, okay, so let me just play the trailer just so you can get some of this epic music. Hold on, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. You're going to be so happy you waited. From the makers of Sinbad, Columbia Pictures <laughs> presents Jason and the Argonauts. Look at that color. Isn't that wonderful? It's, it looks it's so technicolor. Great. It's gotta be I want right. to go watch this now. Um, they did Sinbad too? Yeah, yeah apparently. Uh, it's uh, it's a claymation movie, which is really fun to watch. What? The skeletons yeah. are claymation. The, uh, the skeletons are, in fact, claymation. Are there skeletons mm-hmm. in the actual Jason and the Argonauts story? They fight skeletons? Not yeah. that. Well, kind of. They're okay. not skeletons. They're Earthmen. Okay, just so um, if they're not skeletons, then it is. Well, actually, <laughs> they're not skeletons. Uh, they're, they're not skeletons. You make it sound Earth inferior Man. to this horribly bad looking movie. Anyway, so. It's famous. Yeah. Is it this movie? Is? Yeah, yeah. Is it? I've never watched it. Really? Am I insulting lots of our listeners right now? No, I think I think I used to watch it when I was oh, really? uh, sick. Is it actually? It was like one of the only movies you could get at the library. You know what? I'll take it back. It has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, um, listener, write in and Who tell plays us. plays Jason? Man, seriously, I got to go watch this. Todd Armstrong. No, okay, is... good talk. Okay, anyway. Sounds great. Today we are talking about Jason and the Argonauts. We are not talking about this movie. Man, I'm, dis- I'm disappointed because I thought we were finally going to be talking about the Canadian Football League. Ah, uh, yes, the Argonauts. And the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll never do that. Okay, so anyway, um, today we're this talking... This has been so fun. <laughs> has I really it, enjoyed this intro. Has it, has it though? <laughs> anyway, uh, let's actually talk about Jason and the actual Argonauts. All right, so being a studier of ancient Greece mythology, Jason and the Argonauts was one of those big ones that I hadn't really gotten to until recently. And it's big because it involves a lot of the greats, right? Peleus, Achilles' dad is on this mission. Oh, there you go. Along with Ajax's dad <sighs> and Hercules oh, and like, Jason. Wait, Hercules is, or Hercules himself? Hercules himself is on this mission. That's and cool. this is where we meet Medea, which mm. we talked about a couple of episodes ago mm-hmm. when I was talking about the Herodes, yeah. right? And I, I said in there that the Herodes paints her as sympathetic while other things do not. That was a bold-faced lie. So we're going to oh, start with oh. things we got wrong. And that's one of the things we got wrong is that <laughs> Medea funny. is... Never sympathetic because in this, one of the original sources, she's incredibly sympathetic, and cool. you, as you guys will see. So this was written by a guy, written written by a guy named Apollonius Rhodius in the third century BC. Okay, it is the only surviving Hellenistic epic. That's cool, hmm. and it's pretty awesome. I don't know much more about Apollonius, and I'm just going to jump right in. Awesome. Listener, if you're thinking so about reading, it's this, later than Homer. It's yes, it's much later than Homer. Homer was written, I think, around four. Ah, I don't know. Maybe it was right, ar- right around Homer. Oh, okay. I think they both use the same kinds of sources. Um, Homer actually talks about one ship having gone through uh, Scylla and Charybdis prior, and that is the Argos, mm. Jason and the Argonauts' boat, R- built by the way by Athena herself. She put the boat. Together. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. It's a pretty solid ship. Mm-hmm. And so there, there, there is some cross knowledge there. I, I don't know if either one used each other's sources. That's, that's something I'll have to investigate. But I think as far as I know... He was born in 15 AD, so... Was he? Yes. So Wait, who was born in 1580? No, Apollonius of Tyana. Am I looking at the right one? Uh, Rhodius. No, oh, never mind. Take the, I take it back. Ignore me. I think it was a different Apollonius. Probably a common name, that Seriously. Apollonius. Anyway, let's, let's jump right into the, the book. So... The book opens, and we find out that Peleus... Born in 295 BC. There you go. So, not to be confused with Peleus, right? Peleus is a king. I can't see how you confuse the two. Yeah. Peleus Seriously. was Achilles' dad. So, Peleus the king, uh, he knows that there's this prophecy out there, that he's going to be unseated, right? He's going to lose everything because of a man with one sandal. Oh, that's a boy, okay. man. I mean, you're getting a prophecy. That one sucks. Yeah, it's not, because... very, not very helpful. Like, what, what if often, your kid forgets a shoe? Exactly. Yeah. Then you're gonna you're gonna throw him into the wolves. I mean, all sorts. Oh, that's just one sandal. Okay. The gods you're have are to outlaw shoes in your kingdom. Uh-huh. And I feel like the gods are like reaching at this point. They've given so many prophecies. They're like, ah, oh, you're gonna be unseated by shake magic eight ball. Like man <laughs> with 
one sandal. <laughs> okay, so Jason shows up and he had got stuck in some mud and he got one foot free <laughs> and the other sandal was left in the mud. And so uh-huh. Peleus is like, oh man, I got to get rid of this guy. So he's like, I'm giving you a sacred mission. And here's your sacred mission. You must go and retrieve the golden fleece. So he doesn't just kill him? That would make a lot more sense. It's like a very James Bond villain thing. Well, I mean, (laughs) nowadays we're like, I'm going to go on a trip and my trip to France is very, yeah, I'm probably going to make it, right? The chances Mm -hmm. of me actually getting to France are incredibly high. Fair point. Back there, travel was incredibly fraught. Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot of people liked each other. There was a lot of wars. You're you're probably more often than not going to die on the way than you are going to actually make it all the way back. It's true. Especially when you're going to... Uh, an evil king who is known for being kind of a a punk Mm. and trying to get one of his most prized possessions. So that was the mission. And immediately after this, we, we get to hear about every single hero that is on this tour. And this is where, listener, if you decide to read this book, you might just balk at the gates because it's it's like the numbers and deuteronomy Mm. of this book it's going to talk about every hero it's going to give their entire background maybe some of the cool things they did in the past a lot of these guys do not matter they barely show up in the story it's just not worth tangling with if you were a studier of greek mythology it's incredibly interesting because all of these guys are important they Mm -hmm. all come up in the iliad they've all got myths connected to them uh poly castor and polydeuces or polydukes are on this and they, they are the brothers of Helen and Clytemnestra. Mm. So one of one of them is more like they're the sons of Zeus. And so we also have Hercules. We got all these like there's a lot of important guys in there. But if you're not really privy to all that information, it's just a bunch of heroes. Yeah. And yeah. that's fine. You can still read it without knowing who these people are and kind of skim this section and feel OK with yourself. It's like me when I watch a Marvel movie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. You can go and watch Thor. You don't have to know Loki's entire background to enjoy the movie. Right. I don't. And yeah. I don't. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, Donaldson. You also don't watch any Marvel movies. True. Okay, great. Don't let Graham be an example. Oh my goodness. They are like, there's no tension. Anyway, whatever. No, that's a that's a different episode, I think. <laughs> so anyway, you have this sort of numbers in Deuteronomy of who they are. And they rally, and they are all good-looking and strapping, and all the ladies come together on the shore, and they're like, yay! And they bring their slaves, and they offer bulls, and then they get on this awesome ship named the Argos that was put together by Athena herself. That's pretty awesome. That's cool. And ships back then were not exactly, you know, I, I think in your head you're probably imagining the kind of ships they had in 18, you know, 18th, 19th century Britain, these giant, massive things with big man sails, of man of wars, right, with cannons. That is not what they looked like. I have seen ships from roundabouts Jesus's time, and there are these little tiny things with sticks stapled across the bottom to keep the other sticks together and some pitch, right? I'm sure they had some good ones, but, you know, seafaring vessels were prone to fall apart and prone to problems. Yep. But this one specifically, you guys, is real nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. It's All super right. nice. Okay. So then they start journeying and this book kind of happens. I'd say it's sort of a three part book, right? Part one, there there are four, there are four actual books, but it sort of comes in three long episodes. The three long episodes is journey two, and then kind of hanging out with Medea and her family and then journey home, right? So three big chunks. And this is the beginning of the first big chunk. And so they, they, they make a bunch of stops. Some of these stops are less important. Some I will kind of gloss over. Some of them are just kind of interesting, which is why I'll go into a few. But, excuse me, uh, one of the first places they stop is the Isle of Lemnos. Now, the Isle of Lemnos is a specifically unique place because it is completely populated by women. A hundred percent. Oh, how'd that happen? <laughs> well, they, they did something. They committed a crime first. Did they get sent there? Yes. They committed a crime. Now, what happened is, let's see if I can find the actual, the actual quote. Uh, Let's see. This is, this is the story that the queen gives to Jason when he asks, you know, what's going on with all the ladies? Uh, So she says, stranger, why do all of you thus wait for so long outside the walls? Our men do not live in the town, but they have moved to the Thracian mainland where they plow the wheat bearing fields. I shall give a truthful account of the whole story of our misfortune so that you may know it well. While my father, Thoas, ruled over the citizens, our men launched raids from their ships on the homes of the Thracians, who live opposite and brought back here a great haul of booty together with young girls. However, the wrath of Cyprus, a deadly goddess, was at work, for she cast mind-destroying folly upon them. 
They rejected in loathing their lawful wives, and, giving way to their lust, chased them from their homes, preferring, poor fools, to sleep with slaves acquired in war. Mm. For a long time, we put up with this, in the hope that eventually they would change their minds, but the trouble multiplied and got ever worse. Our legitimate children were shown no honor in their homes, Mm. and a bastard race was placed above them. Unmarried girls and their deserted mothers wandered aimlessly through the city with no one to care for them. A father had not the slightest concern for his daughter, even if before his very eyes outrage was done to her by the violent fury of a stepmother. Children no longer as before protected their mothers from shameful insults, and brothers no longer cared about sisters. Our men were interested only in the slave girls, whether it be at home, in the public dances, in the marketplace, or feasts. Finally, some god gave us the courage and strength to refuse to receive the men within our towers on the return from Thrace until they should either come to their sense or go off to live somewhere else with their slave girls. With our permission, they then took all the male children who remained in the city and went back to the snowy plowlands of Thrace, where they still live now. That last part was a lie. Mm. They did not chase them off. They murdered all of them. I think with the exception of her, th- this queen's father, I think she put him in a barrel and shipped him out to sea, so he actually lived. But Sounds like they had it coming, though. <laughs> yeah. All the men died, but they had they had created made, uh, done this huge atrocity. Yeah. And ideally no one knows about it and so they they plan to sort of bring in all these dudes and they're like hey maybe these guys will rule here and no one will ever find out that we murdered all the other men and so let's see if we can't bring some of these men and wait, so she, wait 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 so why did all the men fall in love with slave girls because the slave girls were bewitching or because there was some sort of thing the thing i'm reading them. here says that the um the island uh the women had neglected their worship of Aphrodite, and as a punishment, the goddess um, made the women so foul and stench that their husbands could not bear to be near them. Is that a part of the story you're reading? Uh, it's been a while since I read the first little bit, but <laughs> okay. so sounds they, reasonable. So, so they stank, and then the men took concubines, and then the women got mad, and so they killed their husbands. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean... <laughs> so they bring in the boys, yeah. and she's like, Jason, you should rule here, and why don't you guys stay for a while? And this seemed like a good plan to everyone. So Jason stays and all the dudes kind of hang out with ladies. What is Jason's relationship to Medea at this point? None. Okay. He does not know Medea. He's never met Medea. Okay. So they're just starting on their journey. Okay. And then Hercules in this book called Heracles, same guy, sits them all down and he says, poor fools, does the shedding of kindred blood prevent us from returning home? Have we left our homes to come here in search of brides scorning the women of our own cities? Do we want to live here and cut up the rich plow land of Lemnos? We we will not win glory shut up here interminably with foreign women. No God is going to hand over the fleece to us in answer to our prayers. We'll have to work for it. Let us all return to our own countries and leave him to wallow all day in Hypsipyle's bed until he has won great renown by filling Lemnos with his sons. Like, come on, boys, let's go. And they all kind of say, all right, Hercules. Fair enough, Hercules. Oh, okay. You're a pretty big guy and you're right. So they all get okay. together and Jason calls Hypsipyle and he's like, hey, I gotta go. Who's Hypsipyle? Uh, she's the queen. The Sorry. lady. So brings the queen. He's like, hey, I gotta go. She's like, well, I'll be waiting for you if you ever want to come back. Aww. I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm realistic. But, you know, you have a place if you want it. And he says, well, I'm probably not coming back. You're probably right. <laughs> okay. So if you have a kid, and I think she does, she, send it to my parents. And so she's like, okie dokie. And they sail off. <laughs> okay. And that's Lemnos. Great. And then they go to an area, I, I I forget if they stop, but there's there's a, a place populated entirely by savages called Earthborn Men, and they all have six arms. And they don't really tangle with those guys. They go and stay with the Dolionis, and the Dolionis are great. They're really nice people. But through some weird mistake in the middle of the night, they accidentally fight each other, and the mm. king there is killed even after they've had this awesome reception. And as, as you know, light comes up, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> that whoops and then the his widow the queen hangs herself mm. which is a huge bummer at the next stop did it make it in the movie there thomas i'm trying to look up the synopsis here but <laughs> really of the, of the <laughs> no of, of the actual story oh, okay yeah, sorry uh at the next stop there's a guy named hylas and he's abducted while he's sort of filling his water skin and then heracles and polyphemus or polyphemus are are sort of alarmed at what's going on and they're like hey we got to go search for him and in the middle of that, the Argos leaves. <laughs> oh. So they left two guys behind, or three guys, and one of them was Hercules oh, himself. Man, That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a 
That's all. That's a big L for yeah. the team. Yep. Right? It's a big loss. Mm-hmm. And Telemon, Ajax's dad, actually accuses Jason of doing this. He's oh. like, you did this on purpose because Hercules is greater than you and you wanted the glory. Mm. And Jason kind of smooths things over and he's like, no, I, it was a total whoops. And he's like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, then. They can't go back? Yeah. Uh, they they don't. Okay. <laughs> Great. Uh, it's okay. Hercules does. He's fine. Hercules, yeah. He'll figure it all works they'll, out they'll catch hints of him later in the story, mm-hmm. but he's he's doing fine. They next stop in, in a place called Propontis, where they fight Amicus, and he's king of the Babrikians. Okay. Babrikians? You guys, I'm going to slaughter all yeah. of these names. None That's of them fine. are going to be right. So if you're looking for a classical stuff we got wrong on this, all just know that all of them are wrong, yeah. and yeah. we're going to do that right now. Good. This guy loves to box. Anybody that comes to his shore, mm-hmm. he'll welcome you, but he's like, only if I get to fight your best dude. So he's a little pugnacious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the point where he usually Truculent. kills them. Okay. Right? This cool. boxing cool. match is one where he will like beat your brains in and break all your teeth, and you usually don't come out functioning properly. Hmm. Right? He is pretty intense. So they send a guy to, to box him. <laughs> Great. They're kind of sorely missing Hercules at this point. Yeah, yes. man, you could have <laughs> used really. him. But... Polydeuces is the guy that kind of volunteers, and he happens to be a son of Zeus. And oh. so even mm. though this king is enormous and really practiced at boxing, Polydeuces is small and he's quick, and he is also pretty strong because he's a he's a son of Zeus, and he beats his face in good, right? Polydeuces really shows him what's up. And then all of the people instantly want to attack because their right. king has just had his face beaten in, right. and, and they try to attack, the guys chase him off, and then all of those people are sort of left future doomed because they're king hey hey if you have a punchy king like you gotta oh yeah i don't i don't question the justice of it yeah just saying you know you don't whine and moan that your king got his face punched in and i especially like don't attack after he challenges yeah, your main they, guy they still attack the king i don't know it feels like, well, a, he, it's attacked, like a crime right the king was like hey fight me and he fought him messed him up and yeah. then the people got all mad about it yeah yeah i don't know seems a little silly you yes. can't do the time don't do the Don't, crime? Exactly. Oh, thanks. Okay. Okay. The next stop is an important one. They they stop with a guy named Phineas, and he's a king who has a the, the gift foresight. Mm. But the problem is he's really giving with it. He tells too much of mm. the gods' plans, and the gods really don't like him. Mm. <laughs> so he has a curse. Now, let's let's put you guys in the place of the gods. If a guy's giving away too many of your secrets. Oh, man. Finally. How... how <laughs> How are you guys going to curse him? What's your plan? I, I should do this Oh, he more, gives too much of my secrets? Yeah, he's, he's him, telling everybody all your plans and all mute. your secrets. Make him so he can't talk. Okay. I always like the no one believes you, but the, we've already done that one with, oh, with Cassandra. Cassandra. With Cassandra. Yeah, right, 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 um, let's see. Phineas. What would I do? Um, he gives too much of my plans. Let's see if he get it. But, but he gets... But, he always gets one key piece completely wrong. <laughs> so you'd make it so he gives everything correct, everything correct except, just correct one except the one key piece of information he gets wrong. That, that would be what I. So do. it's a guy with no sandals. Yeah, not just <laughs> okay. one sandal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. Okay, that's your thing. Mm-hmm. And that, yours I was said mute. Just be real simple. With just it. make him yeah, shut his face. Make so he can't talk. talk. So their punishment was that the harpies would visit every day during mealtime. And when he was going to have a meal, even as he lifted food to his lips, the harpies would come down Yoink. and steal everything that Aww. was good. Everything that was good? Everything that was good. And not only that, they would spoil everything that was left. What meager supply there was still left on the table, they would totally spoil and leave a nasty, disgusting, disgusting stench. So it was like rotted, Gross. terrible food oh. mixed with horrible, putrid smell Poor to the Phineas. point where no one would else else would even come in the palace while he oh. was eating. So no one wants to hang out with Phineas and like he can't tell Well, they could stuff. when it wasn't mealtime. Yeah, it's yeah. just that he didn't get to eat anything because he had to eat. Right. Like he had no appetite because yeah. the food was all gross and there wasn't much of it in the first place. And so he had to eat something to keep like flesh on his bones, but he was old and haggard and falling apart because of this huge problem. Oh man, that sucks. I was going to say, so they're basically killing him, right? Very slow. They're, yeah. they're leaving just enough to keep him alive. So yeah. even if like Phineas like went down to the fridge at midnight and tried to like sneak something. Harpies would be like, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sure he tried every possible, I'm sure he tried like hiding Cheerios in his yeah, hand. Yeah. I'm sure he tried like... I don't know, gum or whatever. Harpies are the worst. Harpies are the worst. (laughs) And so they get there and he knows that there are some people that are destined to help him out. And it's these guys. Oh, 
That's good. So you live with hope knowing that, like, if you know the God's plans, you know that someone's going to come and, and give you a meal at some point. Yeah. Two of the boys on the tour happen to be the sons of the wind. Oh, okay. So the harpies come, and these boys chase the harpies off. Oh, yeah. And they're going to catch them and totally mess them up. And the gods are like, hey, hey, we actually have uses for the harpies. You hmm. can't mess them up. But we promise they'll never come back. Cool. And so they get to return to Phineas and say, we did it, boys. Like, you're free. And he is ecstatic about this. But it's for him, it's kind of too late. He's old. His body is racked with age and disease, and it's falling to pieces. Oh, and he's like, "Eat up! <laughs> okay. At least I get to eat a good meal." And totally. so they enjoy this great meal. And he gives them some clues about where they're going. So mm-hmm. he kind of tells them all everything that's coming. And one of the big ones is that they're going to go through this place called the Clashing Rocks. Mm-hmm. And he says, "The way to do this <laughs> sounds safe. Yeah, <laughs> is you got to find yourself a timid dove, not just any dove. <laughs> Weird, a timid, not one dove. of those like." Really brave. aggressive doves. No, yeah. None of these body doves yeah. <laughs> that like, like to, you know, strut around the streets. Uh-huh. I want one that like hangs out in the nest and yeah, doesn't throw her coos at all the boys. You <laughs> okay. know what I'm saying? Great. <laughs> so they get this timid dove and they sail up to these rocks. And what if, what if it was a koi dove? Does mm-hmm. that count? No. Has to be a no, it has to be timid. Right. It's got to be timid. Right. Very, very, very clear. Straightforward. And he said, here's what you do. When you come up to the rocks, you let the dove go through first. And if the dove makes it through the clashing rocks... It's a timid dove. Yeah. So t- dove is sure you're going to like, all right. sure if that the there's a way through, right? the timid dove makes it, okay. Then if that's true, you guys, you guys just row with all your strength as soon as the dove's through. You just, you just haul, go for it. And they do, right? Okay. If, the dove, if the dove doesn't go, then you guys should stop and turn around. Okay. And so they go, they let the dove go and the dove just barely makes it through. And then the boys... They start rowing and they get there and like at one point they're almost there and a wave like takes them and like makes them go back and then, oh. and then it picks them up and then like they, they it's one of those movie scenes like where they get right through yeah. and then things like Seriously. slam shut right at the very end. Live in Cinemax glory, Jason and the Argonauts. This makes me want to watch the movie. Okay. I seem to remember that right as they get through the rock slam shut forever. But that doesn't quite make sense because later another trip kind of goes this direction to kind of head them off. So I'm not quite sure about that detail. I might be remembering wrong that the rock slammed shut. In any case, they they barely squeeze squeeze through with their lives. In glorious 16 shade Technicolor. <laughs> uh huh. You want to make this movie? Is that what's <laughs> happening right now? Sounds like I don't have to. Okay. So as they sail, they see some old homies. One is the ghost of Stenilis who like stands up on a hill and they're like, oh man, we better make some sacrifices or ghosty be mad. So they make some sacrifices. Who's Stenilis? Some guy. Oh, okay. okay. Again, a lot, there are a lot of people involved here. This part is actually kind of tedious, all of this trip. It sounds amazing, but there are so many times when he's like, and then they pass this river, which is called this river because it involves this goddess and this god, and they had some kids and did these things. There, there, there's an incredible number of asides that sort mm-hmm. of tell you the mythology. Again, if you're reading it, you can just kind of skip that and gotcha. not worry about it. If you know a lot of the mythology, it'll be interesting. Otherwise, it might not be. All right, so they, they're coming along, and they arrive at this place called the Island of Ares. Now, Ares' island is very special because it has a very specific type of bird. They're just kind of sitting there and like feather arrows rain down on them from this bird that passes. And if I'm remembering I'm, correctly, I'm, one of their dude gets shot by an air, a, a feathered arrow. Mm-hmm. Isn't bad. So apparently these birds just fly over and if they wiggle their wings, <laughs> arrows horrible come arrows fly from these really scary birds. Hmm. And so they're like, we have got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So their plan is to put shields above their heads to protect from feather arrows. Duh. Smart. Yeah. And then bang on their shields and yell to freak the birds out and make them fly away. <laughs> uh-huh. Seems reasonable. Yeah. What's wrong with that? And Nothing they, can go wrong. And they do it. No, oh, it works. <laughs> it works. And good it works. works like a charm. Pretty good. <laughs> and on that island, they see a couple of guys. And these two guys happen to be the grandsons of the king, Aedes, who owns the Golden Fleece. How do they survive the bird arrows? Don't know. Magic. I don't know. Whatever. But they're like, they've lost everything. They've got no more ship. They're like shivering and without clothes. And they're like, hey guys, uh, we don't know who you are. Thanks for chasing the birds off. Also, um, help please. And the guys are like, great, come along with us. So they've got, they've got the grandsons of this king who owns the golden fleece. Okay, you guys still still with me? Yeah, I guess. What's like so good about the golden fleece? Yes, the guy told you to go get it's a hard it. Thing but does to it get. have any kind of like magical properties? Is it super warm? It's very gold. It's very just super it's just gold, like a golden. golden. It's like a, just a golden cape. Yep, hmm. golden okay. cape. Apparently, it's pretty big. All right. 
It's a symbol of authority and kingship. That yeah. Oh, no. I. You know what? I wonder if that has anything to do with the. Uh, the remember we talked about the House of Atreus. Mm. Remember, way back when, when Atreus had this golden fleece and was like, "Hey, whoever owns the golden fleece owns the kingship." I wonder. Then his brother stole it because his wife was sleeping mm. with the brother. Mm-hmm. Remember that mm-hmm. whole thing? Mm-hmm. Remember all that? Yeah. So maybe it's involved with that okay. somehow. Maybe. Yeah. So as they're preaching, approaching Colchis, where King Aedes lives, the place with the golden fleece, they see the eagle of Zeus flying to eat the liver of Prometheus. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they hear Prometheus like, ah! and then uh-huh. they see the My bird liver. flying back. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah. so they sort of get to hang out there for, for the extent of when that happens. For our listeners who don't know who Prometheus is, Prometheus was a titan who decided to help the humans. The humans were going to be wiped out by Zeus. Zeus was tired of it. He'd had it. And so Prometheus stole the fire of the gods in a fennel stalk, which is like a little tree, and then brought it down to the humans. And giving the humans this power, it it sort of brought them knowledge and sort of made that, you know, made it so Zeus couldn't wipe them all out. But because he had stolen from the gods, Prometheus was made to suffer this horrible fate of having his liver eaten out every day. So it's this okay. incredible story of, of charity and self-sacrifice uh, in aid to humans. It's really a bummer. It's, it is. Yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's rough. So like if you describe something as Promethean, you are referencing back to that specific story. And it's like the birth of technology, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like the birth. It's, it's the real birth of like human civilization, and human yeah, civilization yeah. and all that stuff. All right. So that was the first two books. We're halfway through the story. Cool. So how are we doing on time? Yeah, plenty. So we're at the house of the king. At the house of the king. And, oh, great. Making good time. So this is where we start to actually see a little bit of character development. Up until now, we've just had like random stops, random things happening. You don't really know the characters that well. Yeah. Really, it seems like the book is more interested in just talking about some old myths than it is in actual character development. So the book three opens with Hera and Athena chatting about how to pull this whole thing off. Hmm. They're like, how are we going to make it so that Jason can get this fleece and make it home? And they said, well, let's go chat with Aphrodite and see if she can't convince her kid, Eros or Cupid, to do us a solid. So they go and they find Aphrodite, who is, of course, like brushing her hair and, you know, primping. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, hey, could you help us out and have, like, go talk to your kid? And she says, well... If my kid ever listened to me, I could, (laughs) but he is convinced that he just does whatever he wants to. And they're like, you know, maybe you should work on that whole mother-son relationship (laughs) thing. And she's like, fine, I'll do my best. And they go down and they find Eros playing dice with this beautiful youth. And Eros is kind of... In this, in this book, he's sort of this, like, snarky young child hmm. that is just whimsical and does whatever he wants to. And they're actually playing dice with golden knuckle bones, which is hmm. kind of cool. Wow. And the way that, that Aphrodite convinces him, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of cool, right? Yeah. I guess. Like, I, are they knuckle bones dipped in gold, or did you find, like, a gold skeleton? I don't, I don't know. It's really cool, though. And he's winning, so he's having a great time. Mm-hmm. Right. This poor, beautiful youth is getting totally taken for all of his knuckle bones. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And story story for the centuries, right? Mm-hmm. It's always the same. Always the pretty always the young always, kids yeah. that lose their golden knuckle bones. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So they go down there and she says, hey, Eros, can you help us out? We need you to shoot Medea, the daughter of King Aedes, and get her to help Jason if you can. And in return, I know you like toys. I'll get you this really fancy golden ball <laughs> that when you throw it, it looks like a falling star. And really? Yeah. That's cool. Kind of awesome. That sounds really cool. And Eros is like, yeah, deal. Yeah, flipping nice. Right. So he goes down there and he shoots Medea. Pew. And this is just as Jason with his boys is coming into the palace and they're actually welcomed by King Aedes. He says, who are these new guys? You guys seem really nice. And, you know, hospitality dictates that when people arrive in your town, you got to treat them real good. And so he treats them real good. And then eventually after they've eaten... He says, okay, what's, what are you guys here for? What's your story? And they're like, well, we've got your grandsons, first of all. Not, not, they're not like ransoming or anything. They're just saying, hey, these guys are with us. Mm-hmm. And our mission is to get your fleece and bring it back. And it kind of belongs to us. I mean, this should come back. You could be really charitable and just give it to us. That would be awesome. There's no way he does that. How do you, do you guys have any guesses about how he responds to this? 
kicks him out. Yeah, he's fully convinced that they're usurpers that are conspiring with another kingdom to take away his authority. And he's like, I never would have even fed you if I knew that this was your plan. I'm probably going to murder all of you, yep. except I've already welcomed you into my house. So technically you're guests. So I can't. Mm. So otherwise you'd be dead. <laughs> awesome. And Jason's like, oh, no, that's not the reaction that I kind of wanted. So maybe give me a, a test or something like maybe you can figure out that we are not here to mess you up. We just want the fleece. In all honesty, that's the truth. So please, you know, can we find some sort of compromise? And the king says, fine, I have a test for you. Now, once again, what test would you give? Hmm. Well, you, so you actually want to like kill the guy. So they have to be like impossible tasks, right? Um, stealing something from an angry, like, yeah, a god has something and you want to go steal it from them or some like giant stealing something from a giant I know beast. the answer. You know the answer? Yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't, it, isn't it to go get like the sheep from the like the god's sheep? Nope. Oh, I don't know the answer. I think you're thinking of <laughs> that's in the Odyssey, or maybe it's a different version of the tale. No, isn't it supposed to go like to the place where the sheep are, and you're supposed to get the god's sheep and don't eat the god's sheep, and I don't know. Isn't that the Odyssey where they accidentally cut up the? Oh, I am thinking the sheep Odyssey. Of the Helios. Yeah. Um, okay. What would I make him do? Uh, oh, fight the the skeleton mud people. Oh, yeah. That'd be a good one. That'd be Go a good become king of the mud yeah, people. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're not far off, <laughs> yeah. actually. Cool. All right. So here's what he actually does. He says, I have two bulls. And these are bulls of Ares. They are made of solid bronze. And they breathe fire. They're <laughs> okay. also enormous. And I think they actually live underground. So when he goes out to find them, they actually like sort of emerge from the earth and hmm. start blowing fire all over the place. Awesome. He says, you have to find these two bulls. You must harness these two bulls. Mm. Then you must use them to plow this enormous field that I have. It takes about a day. And as you plow, you're going to chuck these special dragon's teeth behind you into the soil. And from those dragon's teeth will rise armed men that you then have to fight. <laughs> okay. They, they will sprout right out of the ground and you will have to fight them until the last man. If you can do that, if you can harness the bronze fire bulls, plow a field, and then kill just innumerable people, I'll let you have the fleece. That's why I don't like Dungeons & Dragons. Okay. This is yeah. Dungeon Master. This is why I don't like uh, <laughs> Why? It's just too hard? No, Dungeon kidding. Master's just trying to kill you. He's just, yeah. just trying to, he's just making he's just up. No, it's just like there's bulls and you know, plow me a field and dragon men and... Uh. <laughs> yeah, just like Dungeons & Dragons. Exactly. Yeah, yeah a little good. too far-fetched. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it is a basically impossible task. Mm-hmm. There's no way any human person can accomplish this. The, the men that come out of the ground are, they're not just like these lazy things. Like they're real fighting men. And if I remember correctly, they, this isn't the only time that people have come from dragon's teeth like this. There's another instance where a king lost mm-hmm. an entire populace from disease and he didn't want his city to die. So he prayed to the gods and they said, hey, why don't you just uh, do the thing and blah, blah, blah. And We'll make them come from the ants. And so they, like they, this whole like having people grow from the ground is sort of a routine thing in mythology. Hmm. But in the, this is the only case where he just has to randomly fight them as far as I know. So Medea has been shot by Cupid mm-hmm. and she is desperately in love with this new stranger. Oh. Just instantly and madly in love. And she knows the bull's secrets. Well, well it's yeah. not just that she knows the bull's secrets. She is a priestess of Hecate or Hecate? 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 I think it's Hecate. Basically, the goddess of witchcraft. Yeah. Right. Okay, great. Drugs, witchcraft. She is a. She shows up in Shakespeare a lot. Yes. She shows up in this book. And Mm. when she shows up, everybody freaks out, even Medea, who's the goddess. No, who's or who's the, who's the priestess of this goddess. And yep. she ki- typically carries like two torches, torches and just has this terrifying aspect. She's not the kind of thing you want to meet yeah, right. at any time. Stay ever. away from Hecate. Yeah, stay away from Hecate. And so she has these horrible dreams where she is the one who harnesses the bulls. She does all of these things. And then uh, she chooses the stranger over her parents. And with that, she wakes up. And that's not an okay thing in Greek culture to leave your, leave your home, to choose a stranger over your parents. These are not accepted practices. And so she starts talking to herself. And this is where we actually begin to meet the person of Medea. And I think if there's anyone this book is about, it's about her. Weirdly enough, most of the people that do the really cool stuff or that, that are developed in this story are women. Hmm. We see most of the real honest dialogue 
coming from goddesses, from Medea, from Circe even. Like there are some guys involved, but they're not really they're, they're not really developed as far as characters go. Mm. So she wakes up and she says, and I quote, "Alas, how frightening are these grim dreams. I fear that this expedition of heroes may cause some terrible disaster. How the stranger has set my heart fluttering. Let him woo an Achaean girl, far off among his own people. Maidenhood and my parents' home shall be my concern. All the same, however, I shall banish shame from my heart, and no longer remaining apart, I shall test my sister to see whether she will beg me to offer help in the contest, panicked as she is for her sons. This will quench the bitter pain in my heart. And then she raises herself and opens the doors of her chamber. She's barefoot and wearing only her dress. She longed to go to her sister to cross over the threshold into the court. For a long time, she remained there in her antechamber. Shame would not allow her to go further. Then she turned around and went back in again, but then came out again, and then had hid away inside again. Her feet carried her this way and that, all to no purpose. Whenever longing gripped her, shame kept her inside. Whenever she was held back by shame, reckless desire pushed her on. Three times she tried, and three times she stopped short. On the fourth time, she whirled around and collapsed face down on her bed. As when a bride in her bedchamber mourns for the young, blah, blah, blah. So this is another epic simile. <laughs> uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with these, listener, but in Homer, you find these. They're like, as, and then it will go in, you know, half oh. a page of describing like some sort of bird and be like, just so the Trojans yeah, did yeah. this, right? And it's it's copied in Ovid. It's copied numerous times after Milton that. Milton does it. Even Dante does mm-hmm. it, right? So the, it's sort of a thing, and we don't, you know, really need to hear all that. Mm-hmm. Um, like her, did Medea lament. Basically, she cried. In the midst of her mourning, she was seen by a serving girl, her young attendant, who suddenly appeared. The girl immediately reported to Chalciope, who was sitting with her sons, devising ways of winning over her sister. Without a second thought, Chalciope responded to the maid's unexpected report. In amazement, she rushed to the chamber in which the young girl lay in her distress. And the sister basically says, can you help this stuff? Because the fate of my sons is actually wrapped up in this of the stranger, right? Because the sons had sided with Jason and they're a part of this whole deal. And so she asks Medea to help. And Medea is pretty stoked to sort of have an excuse to help the stranger. And she does. And let's see. So then she kind of has to figure out what she's going to do. Is she going to double cross her parents and go with the stranger? Is she going to be true to her her family and her town and not help this stranger and let him fare for himself? And here, here is an example of her thinking. Alas, which of these miseries am I to choose? My mind is utterly at a loss, nor can I find any way to stop the pain. It burns constantly, always the same. Would that I had first been killed by Artemis' swift arrows before I saw him, before Chalciope's sons reached the Achaean land. From there a god or some fury brought them here to cause me such weeping and grief. Let him die in the contest, if it is his fate to perish in the plow land. For if I devised aid with my drugs, how could my parents fail to notice? What could I say? What trick, what concealed plan can help them? Shall I meet him alone without his companions? Uh, I do not even imagine, or I do not imagine that even his death will stop this terrible ache. That is just when he will bring me pain when he no longer lives. Away with shame, away with fine reputation. My efforts shall save him, and then he may go off safe wherever he wishes. On that very day when he he has accomplished the task. May I find death, either hanging myself from the ridge beam or swallowing drugs which crush out life. And so she is torn, right, as to which to do. Eventually, she decides to help him, right? She kind of goes looking for suicide drugs and she has she's like looking at her drug cabinet, deciding which to do, and she takes drugs that help. I mean, she is the the priestess of the goddess of witchcraft, so, you know, your she medicine would, cabinet's pretty yeah, well she stocked. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, she's got a lot of options. I'm sure there were also <laughs> options for, like, changing hair color and fuller <laughs> lips and, yeah. mm, sure. you know, like, having a good day at the sea. I and have all newt kinds of stuff. and toe frog. Toe frog, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So she gathers all of her maidens, and she says, hey, the ladies. Frogs have to- toes? Is it? Yeah, Fro- frog's feet. Those are very, that's a delicacy. But can you see the different like toes on that? I know they have feet, but sorry, I was just thinking. Oh, I think definitely. Okay. I'd say they're webbed, but I still say they're individual toes. Individual toes. Okay. I mean, that's always a question. Hmm. Especially for the ages. If they're webbed, do they count as separate toes? Well, that's why it's magic. It's really hard to find. It's really hard to get one. (laughs) So if you get one. Yep. (laughs) So she gets all her ladies and she's like, hey, ladies, we're going to go and we are going to go to the temple of Hecate or Hecate. Hecate. And I'm going to chat with this stranger and I'm going to fool him into thinking that I'm going to help and I'm not going to help. 
And so she sits there and eventually Jason comes and she's like, but you ladies can't stand near me when I talk to him. So Jason comes and she's like, I'm going to help you. Okay. I have a drug. Here's everything you have to do. And she gives this really convoluted ceremony. He's got to like dig a pit and then cut open an animal and let it drain into the pit and then back away from the pit and not, and only look at the pit. And then he's got to take this drug that she gives him and soak it and then sprinkle it all over his armor and then all over his body. And that's going to help him out. Man, witches, man. I mean, Hecate, she's, she's always been, you know, a little extra. Like, just likes okay. her <laughs> likes her uh, her elaborate ceremonies. But I guess as long as it works, like, who cares how long it takes? No, I guess it's true. Who's going to yeah. keep him alive? No. Yeah. So, he basically, in this conversation, as they're standing there, for a while, they don't even talk to each other. They just sort of stare at each other. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I'll help you. And she's like, but don't forget me when you sail off. And if you do forget me, I'll come on the wind to come and silence you. Yeah. He says, basically, let that another happen. Never happen. Because I would rather my dad settle with your dad to figure out something between us. He kind of makes a marriage proposal. Hmm. And and then he kind of overtly makes a marriage proposal. He says, you basically shall, should share my bed if this is the case, if you're helping me. And she's, she's like, oh, well, that will never be, but, you know, here's the thing, and I'll, and I'll help you out. So he goes back and announces this, this great, you know, stroke of luck to the boys. And one of them is like... Priestess of Hecate? He's like, we got to trust into women. Right. That's, that's being, uh, I'll rue the day when I can't trust my good arm and my good spear, and I got to trust the women. Uh-huh. And so, like, one guy is like, phooey, and, like, walks off. But everyone else just kind of shuts up and... Says, yeah, it's fine, great. <laughs> so he does it. He does the ritual and he takes his special drug and he sort of bathes in it and he's like, oh, I feel really good and strong and like, oh yeah. And then he takes it and he sprinkles it on all his gear and they test it. So he sp- sprinkles it on his <laughs> his uh, spear and the guy who was like, stupid women, comes up and he wants to prove him wrong and he's like, we should trust our own strong har- sword arm. So he pulls out his sword and starts hacking away at the spear and it doesn't do anything. It like oh, doesn't even bend. Cool. So it's in really, he's in really good shape for this showdown. So with this drug and the help of Hecate, he goes out and he finds the bulls and he sort of grabs them, like, because they run up and they try to spear him, like, right in the, in the gut and nothing happens. To gore him. So he grabs the bulls by the horns and he, like, kicks him in the back of the knee so they both kneel down and then he grabs this huge plow, sets it on top of him and starts to plow. Cool. And he goes... Yeah. And he's, like, plowing the field and plowing the field and he's chucking the... <laughs> Chucking the dragon teeth behind him. That's got, that's got to be like a weird story to tell your kids. And they're like, really? Dragon teeth? And he's like, yeah, man, yes, dragon teeth. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be a farmer when I grow up. Well, let me tell you about the best kind of farming. Farming's pretty exciting when you got dragon teeth. Yeah. So he, he does it, and then he turns around. It's right like a mod the, for Stardew Valley. Ah, uh, yeah. The dragon teeth mod. Yeah, that's good. So at the end of his, his giant field, he turns around. And uh, he's been throwing teeth, and all of these armed Earthmen are, like, sprouting from the ground. The skeletons is what you're telling me. They're not. I don't think they're skeletons. Mm. They come out fully armed. And Have you not seen the only movie, that, <laughs> but they grow sort of like, they sprout like little trees. They don't just sort of stand up. So some of them are only up to their waist, and some of them are, like, up to their shins, and they're just waiting to grow the rest of the way. And then they'll kind of get out and fight him. And the trick that Medea told him was, she's like, as soon as this happens, what you do is you find a rock. And you chuck it in the middle. Okay. And that all does. of these earth boys are going to want that rock. And they're going to fight over that rock. And then you just go go play a little cleanup. And he's like, okay. So he turns around and finds, finds this that enormous really rock. That really works? Yeah. He okay. chucks this rock and all the earthmen are like, get the rock! And they all, <laughs> they all fight each other and are hacking each other to pieces. And so he swoops in and he starts cutting them down. Some of them before they even climb out of the ground. He's like getting them when they're waist deep. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey! And he's, he's just coming to hack them up. <laughs> So he hacks them all up, and he wins. He does it. He pulls it off. Good job, Medea. Okay. Guesses as to the reaction of the king. Not happy. I don't know. The king be like, well, kind of earned it. It's pretty sweet. You did a pretty sweet job. You can have my furious. No, there's no way he's going to give it up. He's like, I'm going to find out how to cheat this guy out of my fleece and murder them all. That's my plan. Medea knows that she's basically been outed. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no way he could have done this without the help of some sort of priestess or somebody in the know so that night she pulls all her stuff together and she flees to find the men on the beach yeah 
And the moon actually comes down and she's like, heh, all those times you called on me, now you're running. And the, the gods sort of make fun of her and she runs up and she's like, we got to get out of here because my dad is going to kill you all and figure out how to cheat you out of this fleece. And he's like, well, we got to get the fleece somehow. Right. Problem is it's guarded by a dragon. Oh, great. A, a live one. Mm-hmm. And a, I don't know if he still has all his teeth, but I, they're getting <laughs> yeah, those from somewhere. The, yeah, right? So teeth, I yeah. like to imagine that he's a giant toothless dragon. Ah, I don't think he is. Maybe they're like sharks. And when you pull them out, they're, you know, more sprout. Yep. Anyway, I don't think that's anyway how sharks work. They don't sprout. They, no, yeah, they, just, they, have, they just have rows of them. They grow new teeth. No, they just pop in the front like a like a. Why are y'all looking at me? I have no idea. They one hundred percent grow know. new teeth. No, it's like one of those machines where you put you you put your money in and then you, you push like the, the button the and coins? it spirals and then you get your bag of chips and there's a new bag of chips that comes to the front. It's like what it is with the sharks. New teeth. teeth are continually grown in a groove in the shark's Aww. mouth, and the skin acts as a conveyor belt to move the hey, teeth forward. Hey, we're, right. we're both right. We're both right. With our com- sharks by our combined power, <laughs> uh-huh. Captain Planet. Uh-huh. He really Shark. has a lot of free free time. Captain, Captain Planet, Planet yeah, yeah. He, he works like a couple of minutes. Good for every him. Episode. That's true. It's got yeah. good work life. A lot of free time. Yeah. Um, fire, air, heart. earth, water. Oh yeah, heart, heart. That was the lamest ring. That's the lame heart. one. Heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they got to they got to tangle with this dragon that's enormous. Right, he's got curls on curls on curls of body, and luckily Medea is still a witch priestess. She's, yeah. Yep. So she comes up and she's like. Oh, and by the way, this drag- dragon never sleeps, ever. <laughs> okay. So she basically... That's a weird detail. Gives him, you know, makes the dragon huff some paint or whatever and knocks him out. She has this... Wait, no, he never sleeps. Well, she makes him go to sleep. Okay. She, well, she makes him pass he out. He can sleep. He okay. can sleep. He just never does. Okay. So that makes him pass out and Jason grabs the fleece and he walks back and he's like stroking it. And sometimes he like hangs it over his back and feels all cool. And then sometimes <laughs> he rolls... I'm not, I'm not kidding. These details are in the book. Sometimes he rolls it up and like hugs it and then he gets back and all the boys are like oh can we touch it and he's like no <laughs> My no you please. can't <laughs> he covers it in a robe and then stows it and he's like we gotta get out of here so they all go and as they're sailing king aedes is like poop my fleece. My fleece. Yeah. And so he puts together two fleets to follow them. Okay. One actually follow the Argos. The Argos does not go back through the clashing rocks. The other one goes back through the clashing clashing rocks. Okay, Whew. so that was sort of the middle episode of this. And then... Medea's with them. Medea is with them. How much time I got left? Am I, am I doing 15 okay? 15 minutes. 15 minutes? Yep. Okay, so I'll kind of hustle through this last bit. It's okay. It can deal with some hustling. So they they land on this place and a guy named Espiritus finds them. Or sorry, Espiritus is her brother. So one of the fleets actually catches up to them on mm. this island. And they're about to have war and they decide, well, we got to solve this thing without war. It'd be great to have a mediator sort of decide what's going on. So the mediator says, you can keep your fleece, right? You earned it. Awesome. It's, it's legit. But Medea's fate will be decided um, separate from the fleece, right? She'll probably be sent home. She does not want to go home at all. And let's see. Uh, she... The the sort of sentiment she gives about love here is like, I have done such a shameful thing. I have left my family. I have left my home. I have double-crossed. Like, And you promised me marriage. And if you leave me, that is on you. And I will haunt you, right? I will make your life miserable. Which she does. Which she can. Right. And well, so yeah. she basically says, like, you better make sure that I'm not sent home to my dad because that's not going to be good for me. Like, make this happen. And so Jason and her bring Espiritus, her brother, under a sort of a guise of gifts to where they are. Jason jumps out and they murder him. Nope, that's bad. And then to prevent sort of a retribution, they hack off his hands and feet. And then Jason licks the blood three times and then spits it out. These are measures supposed to be taken against retribution, right? To make sure the spirit doesn't come and hassle you. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like dating uh, the the witch of uh, the the priestess of Hecate is having like a a bad influence on Jason. He's hacking people oh, and licking feet. And you think it's, you think it's her fault? Yeah, well, no, but it's okay. just it's you know it's uh, things have not been great for him. Things are, yes, he's yeah. he's you know playing on the dark side. So they sail on. They've they've killed the brother and all of the guy all the people in that fleet. Once the brother's dead, they're like, well, we don't really care and we don't really want to go back to eighties. <laughs> the king, he's sort of a jerk. So we'll just stay here and they settle. 
right? right? That whole fleet settles. They're like, well, we're, we're done. We're out of this whole party. Hey, I know an island full of ladies. <laughs> <laughs> that could use some dudes. <laughs> Who murdered their husbands. But their husbands had it coming. They okay. were in love with the slave girls. Okay. They're on the Instagram. And they were, Is that what it was? Murder them once. Okay. Shame on them. Yeah. Murder them twice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next stop, they actually stop at Circe's house from the Odyssey. Same lady. And they find her and she was having this horrible dream that like her house had been lit on fire and she had to kill a bunch of animals and spread the blood all over to stop it from happening. So she's sort of like, you know, taking a saltwater bath, like bathing her head to sort of get these bad dreams out of her head. And they find her and she's got all her animals with you. And in the Odyssey, they're normal animals. In this, they're like these weird limmy com- combinations that look just like limbs that walk around, like a bunch of hands and feet all put together. And... They go to her room and she's like, what are you guys here for? Have a seat. But they sit near the hearth. And what that means is that they're supplicants. They need something from her. She's like, okay, what's the story? And they're like, "Uh, we kind of murdered somebody we shouldn't have murdered. And she's like, well, I absolve you. Oh, cool. But I'm not going to let you stay here. Just like that? Right. What you have done is shameful and you should feel terrible about it. You won't be hassled by the Furies, but you got to, I'm not going to let you stay here. So they have to leave. And then as they sail back, they actually have a talk with Thetis. Remember the, mm. the wife? Of She's got Thetis? great ankles. She does have real, real great ankles. Um, let me see if I can find the conversation. Cersei Amadea's actions. Um, anyway, she basically comes up and says, this I will help Achilles you This is Achilles' mom, right? This is Achilles' mom. And Achilles' dad's on the trip? It is. Oh. They're, they're together. They <laughs> oh. sort of rope her in because... They tell her later Medea is going to marry Achilles once they're in the Elysian fields. Like after Achilles dies, he, he marries Medea. That's uh what? We have an age gap. Yes, <laughs> some details that we don't really know about. <laughs> I mean, they're in the underworld. It's, uh, it's all going to shake out, right? So she's like, I'll do it. Witchcraft has I benefits. <laughs> and this is the first time he's seen her for a really long time. Because the last time he saw her, she was with Achilles and she was trying to make him impervious. So mm. she was doing weird things like lighting him on fire and rubbing his body down with ambrosia and all this like weird stuff to try to make him, you know, in, as invincible as he could make. As mothers make do. <laughs> and so he woke up one night and found his baby like on fire. And he's like, ah! <laughs> and so he yelled and she's like, oh, you yelled. And so she grabs the baby and like leaves takes off he, she's like i've had it with you and all of your weird yelling and so okay. she like dives in the sea and he hasn't seen her since and she's like fine i'll help you great and don't you cross me because it'll be i don't want it to be like last time and so something's going on in that marriage that ain't really great but she helps and when they make it to achilles the, has a lot of anger issues yes. as a grown really as a man does. yeah so when they come to the wandering rocks the nereids the the daughters of the sea actually lift the ship up and pass it like a ball all the way through all of these rocks that could have brought them down. They also passed the awesome. Isle of the Sirens. Oh, you don't have to worry about those. Everyone gets through <laughs> okay. except for one guy that dove in before they could stop him. Because mm. their solution was, it wasn't the beeswax that they had in the Odyssey. Mm. The solution was one guy sort of recognized what was happening. And he's like, I got a loot. Let me solve the problem. So he starts playing he a plays louder, really loud, really loud mm-hmm. to kind of muddle it. And then, but one guy was, he heard it too fast. Mm. And so he jumped in, but the gods saved him. They swept him up and settled him somewhere else. Oh. He's okay. Looks okay. good. Yeah. So they make it through those. They make it through the rocks. They also pass through Scylla and Charybdis. Make it through there. So it's, a lot of it is it's actually like mirrors the Odyssey. Right. Yeah, the Odyssey kind of follows the same thing. They actually even pass the Cattle of the Sun. Mm-hmm. They don't stop. They see them way off in the distance. And they're like, phew, glad we don't have to stop here. And then they stop with Alcinous and Arete also from the odyssey do you remember them queen Queen. king and queen they're very virtuous they help out all the people who come through their Mm, shores mm -hmm. and this is where they meet that second fleet remember i told you two oh yeah that went through the smashing rocks so fleet number two is waiting for him here and same kind of thing happens they need a mediator and he says well king alcinous is the guy so they he says give me one night to sleep on it so then we get this really intimate conversation between alcinous and his wife arete and she's like I will be so hacked if you make that girl go back, right? I am not about it. Like, this is well, a horrible situation. Like, what are we going to do? And he looks He looks at her. He says, what I must do is what seems right in the eyes of all men. So if she is unmarried, I will have to send her back. If, however, she has a husband, right? 
then I will not separate her from her rightful husband. So he kind of says that to his wife with sort of a wink, wink and a nudge, nudge. So she hops up, heads down and says, Jason, like, it's time to seal this deal. Yeah. Go marry that girl. So he does. They they have the huge ceremony, all, right. they, all the weird marriage rites, and he's like, eh, it wasn't really his taste. He would rather not have, like, consummated the marriage in a cave, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So he does. If you marry a witch, I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair. That's fair. Cave, you know, cave, cave marriage is yeah. going to happen. And Art so, and parcel. So once again, all the men don't really want to return to King Aedes, so they all just sort of settle. And he goes away with Medea. And then there's a brief stint in libya where they land just on the way yeah they i mean if you saw the maps of this journey it is all over they're in the black sea they're in the red sea they're all over the place and so they stop in libya and turns out they're in the sahara desert (laughs) okay because they they sort of float inland and the water recedes and they're left just on the sand and so they basically say well might as well just die so they all sort of (laughs) lay on the ground (laughs) and cover their faces with their robes and they're just waiting to die right and even the the head navigator's like, well, that's it for me, boys. Somebody else wants to take over. That's fine, but we're pretty much going to die. And everyone's like, yup. So then the gods come and say, hey, when the, what is it? When the chariot of uh, the god of the sea is unyoked, you must f- like take your mother and follow him. And everyone's like, what in the world that's does weird. that mean? Yeah. Well, eventually they see a giant horse bubble out of the ground and take okay. off. And they're like, well, there's the unyoking there of the chariot. Yeah. And I bet our mother is the ship, Argos, oh, because she sense. carried us for so long in yeah. her womb, right? Okay. So they hoist it on their shoulders, and for 12 days, they follow that stinking horse. And they eventually come to another sea, oh. the Sea of Triton, and set sail. Okay. Off you go. Great. Yeah. Here, they they find a, a brook that has been made by Hercules when he came earlier and stole some stuff from some nymphs nearby, and they chat with the nymphs and stuff. And so we, we get hints that Hercules is still, like, doing his thing, out adventuring, and they're yeah. like, oh, he was just here. So he, was, going, he was so cool. <laughs> they go and they try to find him, and one guy, like, gets in a tiff with a farmer and gets killed, oh. and another guy steps on a snake and gets killed. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is pretty much fine. <laughs> and one guy's like, I saw Achilles. But you guys, he was too far away. There's no one. Where were you? Give me her- Hercules. Sorry, yeah, Hercules. We saw Hercules, but he was way too far away. It's not going to happen, boys. So they they eventually talk to Triton himself, and then they sail home. Cool. Happy and ending. That's the end. Oh, like, that's, that's, that's really it. Uh, that's oh, legitimately. Okay. He's Good. like, okay. and it's it's a weird ending because it seems like I thought Medea talk needs to be. I thought Medea gets gets spited. I thought does, so too, but, but it's not in this oh, book. Uh, okay. it, it doesn't happen here. It's just the journey to get the fleece. And right as they arrive home, he's like, well, I'll leave it to other posts to tell the rest. See you later. Like, yeah. that's it. Oh, yeah, good. The, the plays about Medea, you know, doing all, you know, murdering the kids and all that stuff. It doesn't include the golden fleece story. So like, it's mm. all post that. So. And so, to, like I said, it's, it's the women who are the highlight of this book. It's mm-hmm. the goddesses who make the plan for Medea. It is Medea who is caught in this horrible decision between a man she doesn't know who kind of promises wedlock and then doesn't really seal the deal until he has to. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of waffling. In there. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's, oh my kidding. gosh. <laughs> and she, she's put in this horrible position. And it also doesn't show love in a great light, mm-hmm. right? Love in this tale is always seen as something that makes you do these horrible, non-logical idiot you know idiotic things that bring doom and disaster upon everyone ah, love isn't shown in a good light, right it's it's not good mm. in any in every sense and even eros himself is this like impetuous yeah, child yeah, it's just whimsical right we also see cersei she is the one that gives absolution for the crimes we also see arete king alcinous's wife she is the one that secures their sure trip home right even at one point, uh, oh, Thetis is the one who gets yeah, them through yeah. the rocks, right? At one point, it's even uh, Athena's ship talks to them through a plank and says, like, here's what you guys should do. And they're like, all right, let's follow the directions of our ship. Like, that, it is it is the women throughout this entire story. And the boat herself. And the boat itself. Yes, the men do some of the heroic things. But they do it at the, like, at the allowance of the women, hmm. right? Jason never would have been able to do any of those things without Medea's help. It's true. Right? Never would have escaped, never would have done all these things. She came up with all the plans. And so this is why it kind of frustrates me when folks say that, especially in ancient literature, women are downplayed. I have actually found the opposite is true. Yes, women are maybe societally have lesser roles. But in the literature of the ancient world, 
women are often the stars, yeah. right? And there's an incredibly sympathetic eye turned to the plight of women, right? It's not like he's he shows Medea and then says, well, she's terrible because she crossed her family. He shows her real conflict between choosing a guest that she loves and choosing her family, right? Shows, shows the regal nature of the Queen, queen Arete and of Circe, right? Uh, even the Iliad shows Helen with sympathy. It's Yes, she started a war, but it wasn't really her fault and her beauty to her is a curse, right? So I think it is it would be inaccurate to characterize all of ancient literature as down on women. I just don't think it's true. Yeah. I think when you read ancient literature, it's usually turned with a sympathetic eye towards women. Yes, the men are the heroes, but the women are often the more interesting characters. Mm-hmm. And it certainly doesn't, doesn't downplay their role, right? I don't know. That, that's what I left thinking of this was like this, the women were the real stars. Cool. And yeah, so... It's a fun read. The middle is the best bit, I think, but there's a little bit of party here and there uh, on the way and on the way back. And uh, if you are an Odyssey fan or an Iliad fan and want to read about all the fathers of all of those heroes, this is where you find them. It's like a prequel. Yeah, yeah it's like a prequel and like little elements of all that, all that stuff. So yeah, it's super interesting. It's only 140 pages like on a Kindle. So it's a quick read. Hmm. I finished over half of it this morning. So it, it's not a, not a tough thing for a listener. Perfect. There you go. Well, cool. This has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. You can find us online at classicalstuff.net. You can email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. You can find us on Twitter at classicalstuff, C-L-S-S-C-A-L stuff. If you're going to be at the Society for Classical Learning Learning in Austin, Texas, at the end of June, two of three of us will be there. Mm -hmm. I won't say which two. Um, but yeah, we'll be around, we'll be floating around and maybe you can come and give us an impossible quest. Ah, uh, yes. I good. will, I'll wear my, like a boss and then boss is crossed out and it says teacher below <laughs> shirt. I'll just wear that t-shirt every day that I'm there. So you can find us easily. All right. Say, you like now know one of the two that You'll are there. You'll be able to smell him by the end of it. <laughs> and then I yeah, will point you to Graham. Oh, I'm crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, and so, it'll, anyway. I'll be just like that guy that no one can come in his palace when he eats because he smells so bad. The same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be wearing the, the same shirt every day. Uh, hopefully I don't have the harpies eat my, take all <laughs> yeah, my food on the barbecue. All my delicious Texas barbecue. some barbecue now. Wait, we're having barbecue at this thing? I don't know. I figured. Ooh. All right, so for Thomas, Graham, and AJ, this is Classical Stuff signing off. Bye. 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 Bye.